Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everyone. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy, and we are here and ready. I feel like I might sneeze. Okay. No, you Should have to we wait. wait? No, no, no. She looked at me like, take and your time. Go ahead. And it, it's now gone away. Would you like me to lower your mic? <laughs> no, no. Uh, how about um, a preemptive bless you? Thank you. Bless you. I, uh, I think that just killed it. Sweet. It was like holy water on it. <laughs> I'll remember that. Yeah. You have trivia. I do. So we're at the end of our first phase. Round. Trivia. First round of trivia. Round the one. The way I'm... Round, looking at it frame that as a round round one it was okay. a really long round but from now on we'll have like shorter rounds yeah, i want to i first of all i want to say that i know not everyone went through instagram we did have people who would email during the week instagram's clearly the fastest way we see it and that's probably why a lot of our winners um come off of instagram but we have had a number of people play and it's so much fun when you guys engage with us because i don't know it's just it is fun. It's fun. <laughs> well, it's I love it. It's not supposed to be hard. No. It's just supposed to be fun, and that's a way that we get to talk to you and talk about you and bring you on to the show. It's the way we talk about you. <laughs> uh, behind your back. Um, Amazing. No, no, it's fun. We no, have fun. So it. I appreciate those of you and many of you who played um, a number of times. So Yeah, I mean, we're not you. sitting here in front of an audience. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't have any sort of instant acknowledgement of like what we're doing is okay or not okay right, right. or if there's anybody out there yeah i mean you know you look at the numbers i see there's people listening so i know yeah. there's people out there but this is i like to get well we're people people yeah i mean as therapists and um psychologists and mfts we're we like people so it's i like to get to know the people yeah i guess that's what it is i don't know I agree. Okay. So the first round of trivia is over with last week's question, which would you give the people the answer? I will. Do I give the winner first? Nah. Okay. Well, the question was, who is Captain Howdy? And in what two movies is this alias used? Um, and so the answer is, Captain Howdy was actually the spirit on the Ouija board hmm. that possessed Regan in The Exorcist. Yep. And then in the movie, in D. Snyder's Strangeland, that was, I believe, early 2000s or late 90s, he played a very sadistic psychopath who tortured people in his basement. And he adopted that as his screen name to lure. Oh, look at that. Lure people in. And so, um, and that was clearly used intentionally. But if you didn't know that when you're watching the movie, when you're watching it now, it makes it even more, it makes it creepier. Totally. So, um, like a fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Good work. Did Good she work. get it right? She did get it right. And nice. she got both right. And I just want to say that you are our winner of phase ah, one. Congratulations. And we've had so much fun um, playing with you and hopefully you continue and more of you um, continue to play as well. But we are going to ship out this box to box to you so if you can please email mm -hmm. us 
Yes, please. What is our email, Shannon? Terror Talk Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so I can, I've prepared the box already, but I, it's still open there. So what we do is, is at the end of every round of trivia, we're going to send you stuff. Uh, so I have a box of stuff and I haven't closed it up yet, but if you could email us at terratalkpodcast at gmail.com. And also, I think you wanted to include a couple of questions for her to answer. Yeah, if you could, just so we can acknowledge you um, on the show as one of our, you know, um, great listeners, if you can tell us what your favorite horror movie is and maybe a little bit about why it is, you know, is it nostalgic? Is it just the one that freaked you out? We're going to, we're going to let people know. Um, yeah. If you're comfortable with that, if you're not just email us and say, nah, that's okay. <laughs> and, but um, give me your mailing address. But we so still I can need your you mailing <laughs> address um, for the, for your package. For the gift. So, um, the, so now we're starting round two, round two. So we're going to start the retelling stuff. It's true. Yeah. You're all starting fresh. So the question for this one, um, we're going to go back down to the Joker on Instagram, which is not that long ago, the Joker post. And the question is, um, which, the final makeup used for Joker, more so in the, the more recent Joker movies, was inspired by which serial killer? And this serial killer also went by an alias or a different name. So we'll need the serial killer that was responsible for the um, the influence mm-hmm. as well as what the serial killer was also called outside of his actual name. The alias. The okay. alias. Okay. All right. Right on. So All the right. way they answer you is how again? <laughs> uh, Siri talking to you again? My phone is asking me if I need something. <laughs> how um, they- this is going to be on under Joker. On our Instagram, um, from the new Joker post from the new movie. Great. Um, or you can do what some of you have done, which is email or use Twitter or whatever okay. to, to reach cool. Shannon. Yeah, um, I've been pretty active on Twitter lately. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Those of you who don't use Twitter, um, I don't know. I, for a long time, I didn't really get it. And now I get it. And it's... It's fun. <laughs> um, our Twitter handle is at Talk Terror, in case you're into that or you want to check it out. Right. Mm-hmm. There's the trivia. I'm excited. I like the trivia thing just because it's not dark and dangerous like most of the things we talk about. I know. <laughs> That's so true. So today on the show, I know that uh, you have um, like a hot topic to talk about, something you – we call this segment – Kathy reads the paper. <laughs> she's not kidding. Listen, yeah, not kidding. She brings her little paper in. It's all folded. I like, read the Sunday Times and go, there it is. <laughs> like your great grandpa. I have to share this with the world. See, that's the great grandpa voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're, Kathy reads the LA Times is what we call this let, segment. Let, let me find it. I think yeah. I lost the page. R- rustle the paper a lot for the people because they don't really know what that sounds like. Many of you do not. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say that we actually posted, no, let me rephrase that. Mm. Shannon posted a really great article um, on our Facebook page a while back that um, was about men and mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Just 
Can you tell us a little bit about, you remember that article? I'm looking it up right okay. now because I do a the lot of posting. Of <laughs> so this is this is a, a sort of subsect of what I'm about to talk today is sort of a, a component of, coming from this article, but it's it's a, it has an entirely separate um, sort of mind of its own. But the article was about the absence of um, mental health discussions uh, within the male culture. Oh, yeah. Right? And how the absence of mental health mm. uh, discussions is literally killing men. Absolutely. And a, and a lot of this is a great article and and we'll find it you can go under our Facebook page and it's there. I'll find it again and post it again too. I think like this is sooner. This is really um I'm really passionate about this because I feel like we're definitely becoming more evolved regarding what toxic masculinity is and and let me I want to be really clear about this and this came up in the article that I'm about to introduce on uh, the article that came out on the LA Times on Sunday, the toxic masculinity piece, people, <laughs> is not just coming from women, okay? I mean, the idea that there's this toxic masculinity, because I think there's this idea that women are going, oh, we need to get beyond this, and da-da-da-da. And yes, there is, there is toxic masculinity, and it can be very harmful. But what I'm also getting, when I get from male clients, adult male clients, and even teenage male clients will say, I wish I could talk to my friends at times, and my, my guys, about my feelings. Um, they'll, they, they won't say that to each other, right. but, it's, but we get caught up in talking about which girl we want to fuck, or mm -hmm. like that's what is acceptable. And so many of them are starting to come forward and say, I really wish I could talk more about my feelings. And that's something they're afraid to say yeah. to their guys or to males in their family who might look at them and go, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, I found the article uh, while you were talking, so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's called. It's from Men's Health. It's called Not Talking About Mental Health is Literally Killing Men. Um, and I will post it again on the Facebook page, so it's just a little bit more recent because it was it was kind of far down there. And uh, this is something I've uh, done a little bit of research and reading into. Um, at my master's level, I had a professor who wrote a book called Angry Young Men, and uh, it was assigned in our class as one of the readings. And ever since then, I've been... Uh, I don't know, um, sensitive to the issue, I guess you could put it. And I've also got a good book around here that the name I'm going to butcher, but it's something about um, men, men's depression and how it, it, it works differently with them. It's a really good book. I will dig it up and say it next week on the show. Um, but yeah, this article is a good sort of um, like easy article to read mm -hmm. about, about the, the culture of it's not okay to be sad. It's not okay to have your shit together. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to be anxious or scared or depressed or overwhelmed. A lot of that's a man. more vulnerable feelings, right? Right. So in line with this article that Shannon posted a while ago, I found um, a really great article in the LA times this week. And if, if you don't get the LA times, you can probably look it up online, but it's called a new chapter in the legacy of a rapper and bookworm. And um, there's two guys in the picture and they're talking about this book club that they're in. And a lot of this is influenced 
by um, Nipsey Hussle, who was killed, who was yes. murdered over this past year, and was really devastating about his, um, and why so many people were so heartbroken, I mean, for a number of reasons, but he had really gotten his life back together and really started to become a central like mentor father figure to I think a lot of black men in the culture because he really was like guys this is what it means to be a man and he yeah. had been through so much yeah. um, so his death came at such a I mean not that there's ever a right time for it but he was really coming into himself and such an influential um, person in in this culture and so the article talks about how these guys have gotten together to form this book club and it gets into the whole um uh, the ways that after his death fans grasped for ways to honor him some made a pilgrimage to his shop others painted his face these guys got together and started to sort of read his literature mm. and and talk about how there is an absence of emotional awareness and safe spaces for black men who are incredibly traumatized just from being, uh, you know, um, victims of racism and oppression their entire lives. And then also being labeled as violent criminals and antisocials because some of them had to do really nasty things to survive. And so I really wanted to talk about this because it's to me, um, Young black men are a very specific group. And although all men need to be talking about mental health, there are certain privileges that the white community has had, even, even regarding like how we profile black men. And I, as a forensic psychologist, and one of the reasons I don't do forensic treatment anymore, and I may have said this on the show before or in other episodes, is what I started to get tired of was the amount of racial profiling that would happen in institutionalized settings where young white men who were accused of crimes were just made a bad decision and daddy's bailed them out and coke is an expensive drug, so it's actually kind of sensationalized versus the young black guy who joined a gang to save his family and then is labeled a psychopath. And so, you know, when I would do risk assessment, it, people were much harder on seeing dangerousness dropping in black males than they would be when reevaluating white males. Yeah. So you're, you're bringing up another, um, really excellent research article that I know about that's called, um, it's called assume the position, uh, you fit the description in quotes and it's the psychosocial experiences of racial battle fatigue, Ugh. um, among African American male college students. Okay. And it's a really good research article. And that too, I will bring to our next discussion and maybe we'll have a follow-up discussion on, um, this article and those couple of books I mentioned, I can just, mm throw them out there mm -hmm. for people. That would be great. I um, think the more this gets out there, I've, I, I've shared this with a number <laughs> of people before that some of my favorite clients I've ever had. So my favorite patients I've ever had are my, um, African American men who have been in the prison system. Um, whether it was drug and alcohol related offenses or, you know, survivors of gangs or that had to make decisions because they were only given limited resources and watching them. I had a guy once who came in and for the first month, um, all he could do was sit in the room with me and, and that's all I did with him. Yeah. And then I started to ask just fairly innocuous questions around, you know, what do you do every day? And, and then eventually it, 
it turned into sessions of him bawling his eyes out and just saying, I just, I want to be a good father. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you see that sort of vulnerability and his ability to open up and trust a young white woman Mm -hmm. who clearly has no clue what his life was like, but I provided a space for him to not have to talk if he didn't want to talk. And I didn't try to be the professional in his life. Well, and you didn't presume you knew anything. Nope. In fact, I said that I go, I have no idea what, what it's yeah. been like to be you. Yeah. Um, and I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm hopefully here to help you, but it took a while. But when I was able to get the hardest guys to open up with so much trauma. And so it was some of the most important and rewarding work I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy reads the paper. I do. So <laughs> this is just, I think it's something to just, we might revisit at yeah. times, but I think it's, it's a part, part of the show is also about awareness and we bring up a lot of different minority cultures on the show and in our mental health system, I think this is something that needs to continue to be discussed. Yeah, it was, uh, it, for me, I mean, I know that we both had interesting Mondays and uh, today is Monday we released the show on Fridays, but we, we recorded earlier in the week. And so it happens to be Monday when we're talking about this. And, you know, I, I woke up to, um, a client being missing and the, How po- old? the police posting on a social media to attempt to find this client, um, 12. <sighs> and so, and, um, the client is fine. I'll just say that. Mm. And then later in the day, finding out about a case that I'm uh, involved in where two uh, youths, 14 and 15, were arrested for a stabbing and gang involvement. And then later in the, you know, so the day just kind of went like that. And so you bringing this up, which we we don't, we don't talk about what we're going to talk about on the show before we talk about it on Shrink Chat. So mm-hmm. it's just so interesting how this always happens. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just because we're in the work, right? Yeah. So some mm-hmm. of the similar things begin to happen to us. But yeah. it's it's great that you're bringing those those issues up and how we started a conversation because I was in that um, male youth culture and how, you know, we could sit and one could sit and judge the actions mm-hmm. of the people that I'm talking about, or one could understand that as a generational ancestral cultural, um, uh, way of surviving in their world. Mm-hmm. And although it is against the law, some of the things we're talking about and I support law enforcement, mm-hmm. It's just an understanding of of the two sides of the yeah. story, and that the behavior was a result of things. Right. I'm not saying they didn't have personal choice in it at all. I'm not saying that they don't deserve consequences for whatever it is they did. I don't know what they did or didn't do, um, but it's just uh, context. I think context is really important. Well, you and I have talked about this a lot. How um, the content, especially in our work, serves such. It's, it's so much less significant than the context of a situation because you can have two people with the same exact story, but the context of that can change the entire dynamic of what we're treating, why we're treating, whether we're treating, absolutely, you know, how we're treating all of that. So that's what was going on in my world today. (laughs) What was going on in your world today? I think mine started over the weekend. I feel like one of the things I wanted to talk with you about was just the lack of boundaries 
Yours or mine? <laughs> clients? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I feel like people in general, I don't even want to say clients, people in general. I think you have to be in our field or related fields to understand how many people don't have them. I'm, I bet a lot of related fields probably do understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anytime you're in a type of service, um, mm-hmm. attorneys, medical doctors, mental health, I think that mm-hmm. there any any type of work you're in where where people expect their urgency to be your emergency uh, if you don't develop the boundaries you're never getting off the phone off your email out the office no um, it's up to us it is especially in private practice especially in private practice where now it's like well you have an email you got a text you can answer that from the toilet why haven't you answered and it's like because i don't want to <laughs> and it's twelve thirty in the morning on a sunday and w- if you could at least give me till monday at noon to get back to you i i do i do think there was and i said this earlier before we were on air but i i do think there's also an assumption that we all have staff that are answering our phones oh there i mean he, as opposed so, to like your personal number <laughs> so let me give our, our audience some context here so what i was telling shannon was i feel like um although i had sunday off and i, I work a few hours on saturday I, I rolled right into Monday just exploding with people's <laughs> anxieties. And, and we've talked a lot about compassion fatigue on this show and how if we aren't taking care of ourselves and, it, it you know, I if I wasn't taking care of myself, I would have gotten up at 7 a.m. and called her right back. But I was like, nope, she can wait. And I need to get up and get into my day. So I had a client, a potential client, call me. On Saturday at about four thirty-five o'clock, I'm 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 way into my weekend at this point. So I said, you know, I'll get back to her on Monday. And it was about uh, a referral for her son who's eighteen. So first of all, he's eighteen, he's an adult, and he's gonna have to call me anyway. So that's fine. You know, I'll get back on Monday. No big deal. She doesn't know. Sunday comes along. Um, Sunday at twelve thirty in the morning, she decides to call me again just to make sure that I got the first message. And mm-hmm. that, again, to reiterate that her son really needs to come in to see me and he doesn't want to see anyone else because he saw my profile and that's who he wants to see. I mean, and I'm thinking in my head, there's no emergency here. Um, <laughs> why at 1230 in the morning is this what you're thinking about? And maybe this is why the family needs some therapy? Yeah, so it's good collateral information. An yeah. anxious mom. And that's okay. She can be anxious. I, I, I have no judgment towards her. I think it's more about people really, la- like, I'm thinking in my head, does she think I'm able to do something at 1230 in the morning? I think she's relieving her own anxiety. Right? Yes. And I and I think we do that in our culture, right? We, 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 we wanna, just dump this here. We want to flick it off of us and onto someone else because it helps. We And, and, and that sounds pejorative, but I, I think it also serves the purpose that we then don't feel alone in it. For sure. And I realized that I was really annoyed by it when I got up this morning because I was like, I don't want my my phone ringing at 1230 unless it's well there's a lot that goes into that yeah I mean that again it's like that's why I think you started with you know we have to keep our own personal boundaries and it's like if that's you know submerging your phone in rice all weekend or something yeah you can't but but that's what's hard if you're in a situation where you you don't have a separation of church and state 
You know, mm-hmm. you don't have two separate phones so that you can literally put it in a drawer until Monday at nine or whatever. Yeah. Then then how do you ride those lines? And I think all therapists in private practice have to figure that out. Yeah. And then, you know, to couple that with and this is something Shannon and I started talking a little bit about before we got on tonight was um, culturally this this sort of is related to the whole article you were talking about, which is like, you know, what people see and then how they make a judgment about that based on what someone looks like or what their gender is or what Mm. their sexual orientation is or what their color they are. And so what I have found and more recently I'm starting to just sort of wear down and get tired uh, of is, and and here's my disclaimer here, not that I really need one, but I'm going to give one anyway, because a lot of you don't know me and I want to make sure that I'm I'm coming off professional and not ego driven here, which is we all work very hard in this field to get to certain parts, um, meaning, you know, you can have a bachelor's in psychology, you can have a master's, um, and be a a licensed psychotherapist, or you can have a doctorate and you do a multiple, you do multiple things. And as a psychologist, our role is very different and what it takes to get there is very different. Yeah. That, so just context, contextually, the training is different. The, the specializations are different. The, Mm -hmm. the type of person that does it is often very different Mm -hmm. than, so, Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Um, I think sometimes for me and, and those of you who might not be in the industry and if you ever think about calling a therapist, realize that there are different levels of that. Um, and so if you call a voicemail and it says you've reached the voicemail of Dr. So-and-so and then you call back and you say, hello, Kathy. Um, it, if I know you and we have a rapport and you're my client and I've known you for a while and that's comforting for you. I don't need you to call me Dr. Barrett, but I think that there's something really minimizing and dismissive because I, and maybe I'll get backfire from this and I'm totally fine with that. I think if I was a a 40 some year old male, 30 some year old male um, named Dr. So-and-so that I don't think they'd call me by my first name as much. Okay. I think that's the, the heart of the, where our conversation started before we started recording was that, um, something is it's like you know when you have a little flick of dust in your eyeball (laughs) and you can still see and you're still doing your thing but there's just like every time it happens it's like there's little this little so every time someone says Kathy when you introduce yourself as Dr. Barrett and they go Kathy nice to meet you (laughs) it's like there's this little flick in your eyeball of dust and it's like a little annoyance and and um, I literally picked up the phone and says this is Dr. Kathy Barrett. Is this Kathy? Sure. <laughs> sure, it's Kathy. Sure, you want to go get a drink? <laughs> I mean, it's just... Um, well, and l- yeah. so I think what's important to um, mention in this context, uh, what I would like you to mention is how that can reverberate through the treatment. Yeah, so, and I've become more mindful as I've gotten older and and been doing this longer and now have more experience. So I think the more experience I have, the more it feels like, wow, you just... just overlook that completely and let's just go grab a beer kind of thing is what I've noticed is when people at least recognize that at the beginning. Uh, And like I said, I have many clients and teenage clients who've now been seeing me for years and they call me Kathy and it's very different because there's an established relationship. But from the beginning, if someone recognizes that it sets a professional boundary and so where this comes into play, and, and I understand master's level psychotherapists have their way of doing this. It may not be through a title, it might be a different different way, is 
if if there's a canceled session and that session needs to be paid for psychologically it's going to feel a lot different if someone goes oh come on kathy do you really need to charge me versus come on dr barrett oh yeah right this is an appointment this is bad this ha- so so what i what i look how i look at it is that we already have a society that i feel generally speaking undervalues therapy yes i i realize that's changing and growing but we already have that in our um, water so to speak, that we undervalue ourselves and thus we undervalue an exploration of self. And so we don't undervalue the guy who's going to check out our pancreas to see if we have cancer. We don't undervalue that. Or psychiatrists. Or psychiatrists, the person that's going to give us a regulated mood with a pill Mm -hmm. uh, within 10 days type of situation. Um, Or because we have a projection that... um, medical school is somehow more complicated and more difficult than uh, psychologist school, <laughs> which we could have a whole conversation about that because right. it, I, you know, you do residencies. They're not called residencies, yeah. but you do Post-docs thousands and, mm-hmm. and thousands of hours of what I will call in this conversation residencies. So mm-hmm. I call them about, that too. It's about value. And I, but I also think it comes from the culture and systemically we undervalue ourselves and our own psyches and so we project that um, lack of value onto people who tend to ourselves and our psyches Mm -hmm. and i think that sucks and it's interesting too because i have uh i have a handful of clients that call me dr bear i've never asked them to and for them i think it's comforting yeah like you're being taken care of by somebody who knows what they're doing yeah (laughs) And not that I don't want to devalue, um, you know, marriage and family therapists or social workers. It's not that. It's just it is a very different line of work. If you walk into um, a a physical therapy office versus someone who does um, acupuncture. It's different. It's very different schools. So one is a doctor and one isn't. Yeah. they I, And I understand how it's actually the responsibility is on us, not just you and me, but on our profession to educate, to keep boundaries, to, um, to assert what those differences are and actually provide that psychoeducation to someone. So someone might need to understand the differences. I mean, I know that when people call me and ask me, if they're smart enough actually to ask me questions and vet me a little bit, which Mm I encourage people do, um, I explain all mm-hmm. the different things. I mean, half the time they call psychologists, psychiatrists and Oh yeah, people I mean, don't know. get confused and and coastal. Like in New York, it means a different thing to be a psychiatrist than it does on the West Coast. Right. So, it, you know, it's on us to explain ourselves. I just <laughs> well, I will leave it at this. I've never known a psychologist or psychiatrist of my age and education level who is male who is addressed by their first name automatically okay um and i've just so it's a gender issue well i have a you know the owner of our practice is a licensed mft and people call him doctor all the time and he's never once he's not a doctor Mm -hmm. but they project that onto him Mm -hmm. just very interesting yeah absolutely it's just like people project you know if you happen to be young and a doctor somebody people have a real reaction to that Um, I mean, I know that when you and I were going through some of our training together, there were other, um, clinicians there that were 
you know, much younger than us mm-hmm. um, and looked it. And they had a hard time. And some of the clients would say they didn't want to see them just on site. Yep. Because it's like, I'm sorry, you look like you're 20. I can't get anything from you. And that's not necessarily true. Right. <laughs> you know, but um, people have projections i guess like oh that a woman so what we're sort of considering i guess is that a what you're experiencing is that a female um psychologist their projection might be that you're going to be more familiar to them you're going to be more and nurturing um, nurturing and, mm -hmm. and um less uh structured i'm trying to think of the formal less formal that you're going to you're going to be in it with them a little bit more. And I think that there are times where I've been pulled into that mm-hmm. and really have believed, not believed it, but have gone. No, they well, pull yeah. it from us. They pull it yeah, from us. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like when you were the first couple of years yeah. kind of thing, I, before we were recording, I think one of the things you said is, you know, the first few years, it didn't, it was okay. But I think that's what happens. Cause I was still kind of hum- like, you know, I'm earning it. I'm, yeah, yeah. And I think that goes back to, I, I feel like it goes back to a little bit of what I was asserting, which is you now ex- value your skills more than you did when the first couple yeah, of years. A lot more experience. And so it's about mm-hmm. value. That's it's right. like you value yourself more. So you would, you would, you project that value and then you're going to get a little dust in your eye when people don't value that, you know? And I realize it's, it, it will have to, now that I'm more aware of it, I'll probably put it out, like, well, be a little bit more assertive about that's it. That's why we have right? these discussions. <laughs> and, and that's why we go to therapy and do all that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think you really nailed it when you said so much of it is about how people see what therapy is mm-hmm. and how they don't see it as a medical profession or it's it's caretaking. Mm-hmm. So if it's caretaking, then we're a babysitter or a nurturer. or And that is not especially psychologists that it couldn't be any further from yeah our, our school of thought i remember when i was an intern um i had a very i had a lot of very sick clients when i was an intern i got a lot of really good experience and i remember this one this one incredibly mentally ill young man said to me yeah i'm not gonna come anymore and we talked about it and he's like yeah i just i don't know i don't want to pay for a friend anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that is i think a little bit, even though he was very ill and he absolutely mm-hmm. did need to pay to come see me. Um, and I was an intern, so he wasn't paying very much, but for him it was. And so it's, it's rough. I mean, we had a long conversation about it. Yeah. But, um, and I, I, I really think that's the thing. One of the many things that only a very mentally ill person will actually say to you directly. Very blatant. Because no it's filter. very direct, no filter. Yeah, this concrete. is what I think. And I don't care if I offend you type of thing. Um, and and that was great because I want to have those conversations. But I think that that sentiment is in a lot of people's For minds. sure. And it's, it's not like, totally conscious, maybe. I'm just paying for somebody to listen to me. It's like, and, ooh. And what I have noticed is, and maybe this is why it's coming up more now, because I'm, 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 trans, I'm transitioning back into a lot more forensic work, which is what I f- was doing more of when I first got into my doctoral work, is in forensic work, there are so many boundaries. I was only ever called Dr. Barrett. Yeah. 
only ever, I never thought about it. It's because so much more formal. I never thought about it mm-hmm. because it was expected because those boundaries need to be there. Yeah, um, that's interesting because the forensic clients that I've seen, and I think in the way I'm using the word forensic, which, you know, take it for what it's worth, yeah. is a, is a, is a person on, on parole or on probation. Which is psychology within the legal system. It can be anywhere from civil to criminal. But Right. Yeah. So for me, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in a I wasn't in a jail. I just wanted to be clear about mm-hmm. that. These were Neither was I. I was never working in jail. Um, is that uh, I was always called Miss Calder. Mm-hmm. See, and that would be I was an yeah. intern and so there was a there was um yeah, really respectful. And I believe that that was what was ingrained in these particular clients in the, in, in the institutionalized institutionalization. A lot of them come out knowing exactly what to expect and what the hierarchy is. There was a lot of um, training yep. and institutionalized behavior. And in front of if staff, like we've talked about uh, clearly behind closed doors, if you and I are working together, you're not going to be calling me that. We're going to be calling each other Kathy and Shannon. But in front of a forensic client, it would always be like, you need to go to Dr. Barrett's office. Yes. yes. Not Kathy's office. Or you need to go to (laughs) Miss Calder's office or whatever. So, but these are the boundaries that somehow in clinical settings, because it tends to be more of a caretaking for what people perceive. But so culturally though, too, I mean, we have to add in the fact that culturally we're all up in each other's business all the time. There's Mm -hmm. social media, there's an immediacy to call me back within 24 hours, mm-hmm. you know, like what you were talking mm-hmm. about over the weekend. And um, just, um, I don't know, we, it's, it's all very familiar. There isn't the natural boundaries and distance that our culture has had in the past right. because we didn't have the internet, you know, like things change. Right. And so it's a little changed. too close for comfort. Yeah, I understand. And so that just means like exercising your right to push the boundaries on things. I don't know what's on your machine, but on mine it says, um, I will call you back within, you know, 48 hours unless it's a weekend or a holiday. I actually, and then was, it might be longer. It was funny. <laughs> not funny. I was ironic. It was ironic. It's ironic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about horror movies in a minute and get our, we are, get our, get our group. We're going to take a break and be back. Never. Um, <laughs> Ironically, you bring that up because yeah. as I was driving today, I thought I need to change some things on my voice. Okay, now. yeah. And I get that people don't listen to it necessarily, but at least you can refer to it. Mm-hmm. Like know. when my days off are and things like that. Yep. And yeah. some people do listen to it, especially new new people will listen to it because mm-hmm. they really are looking for that information. And then what I have is um, you can push one to bypass the message because like my regular peeps don't want to hear all that again. Yeah. So you can push the button to bypass the message. Yeah. And so I put that right. I make them listen to it. I even make my (laughs) friends listen to it. We're going to play it on the show. No, we won't. No, we won't be doing that. All right. Those are my two soapboxes for this week. That's Kathy is a psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I did want to, let's move a little bit into, I wanted to share, because I promised that I would talk about the horror yes. that I'm watching in an, in an ongoing way. Can on... I just can I say one thing? Yes, please. I started Marianne. Oh yeah, I'm three episodes into the show. So, so that was been her follow- French version if, of Marianne. If you've been following our Shrink Chat show, <laughs> yeah. Shannon, watch. Uh, it's really weird and disturbing. Are you enjoying it? I am, and that woman is creepy. I as know hell. it gets even better. How many? How far are you in? I'm three in. Okay. Sweet. So Marianne is a show on what Netflix, right? Netflix. 
I have all the streamings, so I get the English dubbing is pretty bad, though. It's the only thing I hate. There's dubbing? Yeah, I don't have the... On mine's Marianne? Not, mine's not coming up with the subtitles. Oh, mine does. I think... Maybe I have to do a search. We had this... Okay. So as we talked about the movie Under the Shadow in the same And context. I had the dubbing. Okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, maybe there's the... A, yeah. So don't... Yeah. I, I watched... So Marianne is a French show. Yeah. And so... Um, the dubbing is horrible yeah, on this. Don't, yeah, no. I have subtitles on mine. Oh, maybe there's a different version I have to search for. Maybe it's a setting. But you bring... It, huh, this is funny how this works. So guess what? What? Um, <laughs> guess what? Guess what? <laughs> guess what? Um, I was looking sort of at my year. I kind of like to look at the year and think about um, some of my favorite movies of the year. But this, <laughs> And so what I was doing, I ended up going back several years, and I thought about you and... The 2016 movie Under the Shadow, mm -hmm. which we're now talking about, strangely, mm -hmm. um, that I originally saw at Sundance, and then you saw Netflix, and you were like, ugh, the dubbing, yuck, yuck, yuck. So what I did is it's now on Amazon Prime without the dubbing, uh, but with the subtitles. So I just wanted to tell the audience. Because it's a good movie. If for some reason you you happen to remember that we've talked about that before, um, go to Amazon Prime to watch it. Do not watch the overdubbing on Netflix. Sorry, Netflix, I love you, but yeah. Yeah, that so was much. bad. So I watched Dracula. I know, and I asked you, because I want to start it. Okay, so Dracula is... Watched all of it already? I did, by the writer-creators of Sherlock. Yeah, which I loved. Which Oh, I, wait, no, that, I'm not, uh, sorry. Sherlock. That's the one with Cumberbatch? Yeah. Okay, that's the one I, I saw. I saw a different one. Okay. It's so good. Yeah, I've rewatched. I've rewatched re Sherlock recently, like literally in the background when I'm doing other stuff and then stop for my favorite scenes yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So when I heard that they were doing this, I was excited. I think most people who are fans of Sherlock were. Mm -hmm. um, it's So what they do, and they did it in a similar way, is they do three quote-unquote episodes, but each one is like 90 minutes. They're like mini movies, each one. And um, I understand that there's a lot of uh, bickering opinions about this. <laughs> Um, so this is, it literally came out January 4th. So it's technically a 2020, um, release. Uh, the Count Dracula legend transforms with new tales that flesh out the vampire's gory crimes and bring his vulnerability to light. So what I would say is that I enjoyed it overall. Um, each episode is different. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the way it kind of comes comes along um and i would recommend watching it if you liked sherlock it's not like sherlock in any way necessarily except for maybe format and mm -hmm. you know dracula is a stone cold narcissist as well <laughs> yeah so you've got the narcissistic character at the at the helm but um van helsing is played by a woman so that's super kind of cool. cool um i did see that yeah. she's awesome and it's in many ways it's an origin story mm -hmm. so it's i don't know they made it sort of very contemporary in in the third episode mm -hmm. and a callback in the first two so i enjoyed it cool. i watched that i also watched two horror movies that uh are on shutter and shutter is a subscription series that i subscribe to obviously for horror specifically and a lot of 
people who love horror subscribe to it and yeah. a lot of the people that I follow and interact with on Twitter mm-hmm. and these this is ac- that's actually where I got the recommendations um, plus there's a couple of YouTubers that I watch that watch a lot of horror and so I watched um, I don't know how to pronounce it I guess it's Luz L-U-Z Luz 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 mm. <laughs> it's probably loose. it is foreign <laughs> probably it's loose yeah. it's um it's 2019 and um a female protagonist it's uh they describe it as slick and disturbing i wouldn't say it's so slick really it's very much got an independent movie feel Mm -hmm. it's very much it it was created it's only 70 minutes long it was created as a thesis a film thesis from a student um, and it has a little bit of that vibe too. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, when I did student films back in the day, they were all always a little bit surreal, mm-hmm. surreal and mm-hmm. creepy. Um, she's a young cab driver fleeing from the grasp of a possessed woman whose confession could endanger the lives of everyone who crosses her path. So that sounds super linear. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not exactly how the, but what I would say is give it 30 minutes and then it starts to come together as somewhat of a narrative and then it's it gets really good reviews what i would say is it's unique um it's a unique way to approach the kind of regular tropes we see um it's got a little you know budding blue velvet feel to mm. it it's got that creepy mm-hmm. i don't know what the hell's going on sort of mood, disturbing moody yeah nutty kind of then if you stick with it it's creepy and it's gotten good critical reviews for sure and it's kind of like a, a little bit of a cult favorite for me i'm just looking forward to like what the filmmaker does next because yeah. i can see that there's Potential something there or, yeah. and they're certainly getting attention. And then I also watched the Headhunter, uh-huh. which is um, <laughs> the, I don't know if you guys follow the um, website, bloody disgusting.com, but they were, they said um, it's the most badass indie horror film of the year. <laughs> mm. Where'd you, what, on what network did you watch it? Uh, was that Shutter, Shutter also? Mm-hmm. On Shutter. It's low, 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 low budget medieval horror looks pretty great for low budget because well the thing is is that most of it's in one room yeah um it's medieval set of medieval times there's one guy uh and he's great and it's largely silent not not a silent film i mean there's there's ambient noise and everything but Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of dialogue okay (laughs) it's um but i thought it was really good I mean, as far as indie horror is yeah. concerned, and I... It's a whole genre of its own. Yeah, I'm a fan of indie horror. I'm a fan Me of too. indie movies in particular. Which, indie horror I love. Which I would say, you know, uh, the other thing that's going on for me is I'm preparing to go to Sundance in a couple of weeks. And the schedule's out for Sundance. I can't believe it's already been a year since we were there. I know. And I uh, Can I just say one, th- yeah. one thing that I watched? You um, bet. I know you watched it a while ago, and it's been out for a while, and many people have already seen it, and I'm always delayed in watching my stuff. But I wanted to bring it up because there were so many mixed reviews around it, and I absolutely loved it and thought it was one of the best movies he's ever done. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> I can't tell you the well, amount of- winning awards. Well, but I'm telling you that I've heard so many bad things about it. Oh, okay. And I- could not i wanted more i thought it was so first of all the banter 
all the stuff around how they did Spawn Ranch and the Mansons and the way that they did that, they, they incorporated that in there. Not fun. And the end scene. Yep. The end scene. And you're sitting there going, wouldn't that have been nice if that would have actually been the truth? Yeah. So what she's referring to is, is his reimagining of... Um, the Tate LaBianca murders. The Tate LaBianca yeah. murders. And it was so well done. It's a revenge fantasy. It really is. And it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Didn't they win? I don't know. At I don't the watch Golden the Golden Globes, Globes last night. I used to watch award shows. I don't want any more. Oh, I don't watch them either. I get yeah. all my news from Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> and reading. They won uh, Best Motion motion Picture. They did. Um, musical or comedy section. It was um, <laughs> It was literally uh, just. Yeah. It was good. It was so good. Yep. Maybe next time we can talk a little bit about the Golden Globe winners because it's interesting because, you know, your girl Fleabag won. I love her. <laughs> she won Best Performance for an Actress in a Television Series. So Yeah, she's great. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into award season. But, yeah, so Sundance is coming. I'm looking forward to that. Um, they have Sundance has a section called the Midnight Section. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And that's often where the horror films the weird, are. Weird stuff. Yeah. And so the schedule is out, and so I'm starting to read so about because you got to plan. I know because there's, there's a lot so of, much and it's a lot so of stuff. Cr- so crowded. Well, and you got to plan for me because I have a past. You got to plan for like the your first choice, <laughs> and then like another choice for the night because you got to kind of. But if you get into one, then you can like go for bore and go to two or three in that one venue. I have I have strategies that I employ. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, and then I'll just end by saying I started watching or rewatching actually the se- I watched season one of black mirror because we're going to do a black mirror episode um, here on, t- on the terror talk show in a, in a couple months. I think, yeah. Oh, a couple weeks, I think. Or a couple it? weeks soon. <laughs> So I had to start watching them. There's three episodes in, in season one, which I had already seen, but I wanted to like watch and make some notes. I think I've seen one or two. In, in... And it's intensely psych. So I started on that. And uh, yeah, you know, it was the holidays. I watched mm-hmm. some stuff. Anyway, that's our that's our show, I think. That is our show. Okay, cool. I We appreciate okay, you. Okay, bye. Just okay, kidding. Okay, bye. Yeah, no. Uh, like a fox, please, if you're still listening, <laughs> send your information to tarotalkpodcast at gmail.com with your address, and I will send you out your gift box. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.